Amen. You can open your Bibles this morning to the book of 1 John. And so towards the back of the New Testament, uh, find Revelation. Go back a couple books from there. You'll find the small letter, the epistle of 1 John. If you're using one of the Bibles provided, we have some Bibles in the seats there. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, uh, there is a copy of the Bible there in front of you in the seats there around you. If you're using one of those, you can just turn to page 861. 861, encourage you to turn there with us. We're going to be reading in just a moment a passage from 1 John. This morning, as I already said, uh, we are partnering together with the global body of Christ in a time of prayer. Uh, with the ministry known as Voice of the Martyrs. And there's catalogs and magazines out here. Many of you have heard of Voice of the Martyrs. You're familiar with them as a ministry. Uh, Their passion is to tell the story of Christians who are suffering, who have been martyred for their faith. And we get to partner with them this morning uh, during a time that they've set aside called the International Day of Prayer uh, for the Persecuted Church, Persecuted Christians. And this is a special time set aside uh, kind of as a global prayer meeting. And what we're desiring to do is on behalf of the persecuted church, we're going to pray for those who are standing bold as witnesses for Christ on the world's most difficult and dangerous frontier mission fields. That these followers of Christ are living in conditions of great potential persecution. As I said before, many will lose their homes, will lose their possessions, will be imprisoned, will receive beatings and and tortures. Some will be killed for their faith, depending on where they live in the world. And I know to us that seems so foreign that in 2023 that this would happen in our world today. Uh, But the church has experienced persecution since its founding. Uh, Church history tells us that in the first 60 years of the church being in existence, it received the greatest level of persecution, that Christians were tortured and harmed in great ways. Uh, The Roman emperor, uh, Nero, is known as one of the greatest persecutors of the Christian faith. And there's many things that he did that I won't go into this morning, but things that will draw to our attention the reality of the persecution that Christians are enduring, not only in church history, but all over the world today. And so again, I, I pray that as we go through this morning, that we will be in tune to this idea, that we'll be lifting up our brothers and sisters in Christ, and that we also will be motivated to realize that we are blessed where we are right now today to be able to gather and worship him freely. That you have, a, you have the freedom to do this this morning. Any one of you could have walked in here this morning with your Bible exposed. Any one of you could walk down the streets of Emily City or any surrounding community. You can go to the most liberal city in America today and you can walk down the street carrying your Bible and you're not going to be arrested for carrying your Bible exposed. But there are places in the world today just owning this could throw you in prison. Just having a copy of this book in your home, you could be thrown in prison. Your parents' property could be seized. You could be persecuted. And that seems so foreign to us, but this is happening. And I, I pray that what it will do is not just alert us to the need of prayer, but it also will alert us to the opportunity that we have to gather together and not take it for granted. That you've heard stories, I've heard stories. I've been in ministry now for just a few years I began in youth ministry in 2005. I've been the senior pastor here since 2012. I've been around ministry for, since I've been saved at 16. I went to a Bible college where we had tons of kids from all over the world come as missionary kids. We had pastors come in every week and preach and, and teach in chapel. And there's this, this main thing that I've seen exposed in the American church, and it's our apathy. And it is prevalent. 
And this is not new. I remember sitting in Bible college in chapel with kids who are studying to be pastors and missionaries and youth leaders. Well, the youth leaders pretty much slept a lot. That's just kind of what they did. But the rest of us tried to pay attention. I'm just kidding. I remember sitting in chapel and here's a pastor preaching the word of God. And I look down the row from me and there's multiple students who are just not paying attention, doing homework for their classes, completely disconnected, could care less of what's going on. And coming from a non-Christian background, being saved at 16, going to public school. So really I thought Bible college, people just, man, this, they like walk on water here. This is like, this is the creme of la creme. This is the best of the best. Everybody loves Jesus. And And I'm sitting there and I'm just blown away by the apathy from students that would, are studying to be pastors. And some of them, I'd be leaving for church on a Sunday morning and I'd come back and kids are coming out of the room just waking up. Pastoral majors. Didn't even decide to go to church that morning because I was a little tired from the day before. And I don't know what you're thinking. Well, that's ridiculous. These guys are starting to be pastors and missionaries, brothers and sisters in Christ. This is true of Christianity in America today. We all got upset when COVID hit. Every Christian. I can't believe they're shutting the doors of the church. Some Christians didn't even know their church was actually shut down. Because they don't go. They don't attend. And so when I think about what our brothers and sisters in Christ are going through all over the world, literally risking their lives to gather together, and we skip church for the lamest, most ridiculous reasons. Now, I'm not talking about health concerns. I'm not talking about you physically can't be here. I'm not talking about work-related things. I'm talking about when we very easily could come and don't. And then we hear stories like we're going to hear this morning of individuals that literally risk their lives to gather with the body of Christ. But you know what? I'm just a little too tired this week, Pastor. I'm just a little too busy. You know, I, I need a me day. I just need a me day. So I pray that as we hear about what's going on in the world around us, and, and many of you have been aware of this situation, the persecuted church for years. We've done this for years now. I pray that it will spark in us a passion and a fire to commit to the Lord personally, but then also as a church. That we're going to realize, because I've, I've heard Christians say, you know, hey, brother, one day, you know, the way things are going, you know, we might lose the freedom to gather. We might lose the freedom to have our Bibles. We might lose the freedom. Some Christians wouldn't even know those freedoms were taken because they don't utilize them now. Well, brother, they might take your Bible. Do you read it? Well, they might come in and take your scriptures. Do you even study the word weekly that you would know it was missing off your bedside table? Or when you pick it up on Sunday morning, do you have to kind of brush the dust off because it's been a few days? And I, I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty for anything. I just want us to be aware that our church can see God move in ways we can't even imagine. But it takes our church saying, I'm ready to get off the bench, coach. I'm ready to be in the race. I'm ready to be involved. It says, we pray for these persecuted Christians all over the world. Don't just think, oh, those, those poor Christians, and we need to pray for them. Let us also learn from them. Let us learn what it means to be a follower of Christ. 1 John chapter 4. I want to read this passage because it's going to be alluded to in the story you're going to hear in just a little bit. 1 John chapter 4, look at verse 7 with me. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, 
And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. Verse 8 of 1 John 4. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And what a passage. The only reason you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the only reason you have a relationship with God the Father and know heaven is your eternal home is because God first chose to love you. And he chose to love me. And that love was manifested. It was demonstrated. Romans 5.8, Paul says it that way. His love was demonstrated to us in that while we were still in our sin, Christ died for us. He went to the cross for us. And so now we as followers of Christ can experience what it really means to be loved and to love someone else. And so as we're talking through this morning, I want you to think about this passage and think about what it really means to know the love of Christ and to extend that love to others. Voice of the Martyrs has provided a short film to show a story of God's light piercing even the darkest place. The story of God's love piercing the darkest place. This story is of a young man. I'm going to pronounce his name as Sejun. And I pray that it will remind us or maybe reveal to us for the first time that there is nowhere the grace of God cannot move and the light of Christ cannot shine. I don't know if you, if you believe that this morning, but I pray we will start to believe that or believe that anew. And again, there is nowhere God's grace cannot move among people in our world today. And there is no place too dark the light can't shine. Someone Wednesday night, I absolutely love our Wednesday night time together. Um, and if, if you can make it out, I encourage you to come out to our adult uh, Bible study and prayer time. And we end every Wednesday night with prayer. The ladies will gather in here in prayer. The men will go down the hallway and pray. And, and as we're standing around the room and we're getting ready to pray about some things, somebody made a comment that the darker it gets in the world today, the brighter the light of Christ will shine. And that's the perspective we need to have. Not, it's so dark, God can't do anything, God's lost. What are we just saying? It looked like heaven had lost when Christ died on the cross. But on that third day, heaven rejoiced because the victory was won through Christ. It's the love of Christ that shines into the hearts of those in the greatest need. And so here's what we're going to do this morning. I want you to listen to this story. And this is just one small example of how God is moving in our world today. And I'll give you a little bit of a heads up. This is... It's a little bit intense in some moments. Nothing, you don't have to worry about anything being inappropriate or anything like that. Um, but it's a story of a young man who endures great persecutions, but yet the light of Christ shines through him and through others. And we'll see how God can move through that. I never chose to become a Buddhist monk. My parents chose it for me.
they send me far away to a monastery. And my father left me there. For the next nine years, I was trained to be a monk. Eight hours a day, seven days a week. All I did was memorize and recite. Memorize and recite. The words of the Buddhist text spoke of peace and tranquility. But my teachers lived something very different. I was 13 when I finally ran away from the monastery. You left the monastery, why? Shame! My father said I had shamed the family because I didn't finish my training. He enrolled me in first grade. He would begin my education all over again. Okay, so today we have a new student joining us. So everyone say hello to Sezun. You? You? And you take care of me. One of my teachers talked to me with respect, showed me a kindness I never experienced in monastery. You can read this for me. Uh, the first John. Okay, great. God showed how much He loved us by sending His. He's one, one, and only. What is this? Huh? You're not supposed to read these types of books in the house.
I have met a new family. And David and his wife have given me a place to stay. I'm reading more from the book David gave me. I have read about the light. It is the light I want. pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, not just here in our midst, in our community, Lord, but what you're doing all over the world. And so, Lord, we do, we lift up right now, not only uh, pastors and teachers, church leaders that are uh, communicating your gospel and, and risking their lives in doing so, evangelizing their communities, but Lord, we think of, uh, and Lord, maybe we don't usually think of these individuals, but we think of students and children, kids that are involved in uh, Christian homes. And so, Lord, we do. We lift up right now our, our brothers and sisters who are younger, and we pray that you would just strengthen them. And thank you for shining your light through even the smallest vessels. And so, Lord, I pray that we'd realize that it doesn't really matter our age. We, we can't be too old or too young to be used by you. And so thank you for this example of what you're doing. And, Lord, we know this is not all that you're doing, but this is just a small little glimpse of how you're moving in our world today. And so, Lord, we think of, say, June and his family. And we pray, Father, for many others in that region to be able to be impacted and touched by the gospel. And Father, be with us as we continue to get into your word, continue to lift up these issues in prayer. And again, may you be glorified in all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. So I wanted to just quickly share just a little bit about um, where he's from, which is Nepal. And uh, I'll give you some more information. Now you can know this as well. Um, but in Nepal, uh, families, communities, Marxist groups, and Hindu groups pressure Christians who also experience some government interference. Muslims and Buddhists also persecute Christians, especially in response to evangelism and conversion in rural areas. What does it mean to follow Christ in Nepal? There is a small, visible Christian community in Nepal, but believers experience opposition from extremists among the Hindu, Muslims, Buddhists, and Marxist groups. Christians face harassment and beatings from local Hindu nationalists who envision Nepal becoming a, quote, pure Hindu nation. Bibles are legal in Nepal. So you wouldn't think that from the video we just watched, but Bibles are actually legal, but many people cannot afford them. Distribution is difficult in Nepal's remote mountainous areas. So what is Voice of the Martyrs doing about that? Well, Voice of the Martyrs distributes Bibles 
trains pastors, and provides Christian literature and tools for evangelism. And so when we hear these stories, I want us to understand that, that this is one example of one place in the world where God is moving despite there being such great darkness. And so I want to ask a question this morning. As we hear the story of Sejun and all that went on there, we hear the story about his mother literally risking beatings to be a part of his baptism. First question we have to ask is why? Why would she risk that to be a part of something like that? I mean, is it really that big of a deal? And the answer is because God was working in her hearts through her son. And I love student ministry. I love working when I worked with students for so long because we saw students change their entire family. 13-year-olds and 14-year-olds coming in with the gospel of Christ and their whole family changing. In some cases, the family wouldn't change at all, but that student would continue to keep their eyes on Christ and God would use them in tremendous ways. There's no age limit. It's about just letting the light of Christ shine through them. When he came to Christ and wanted to display that profession to the world, he did it no matter what the cost would be. How amazing it is that this young man was able to be the gospel light to his own mother, just as that teacher was the gospel light to him. And so what do we learn from this story? What can we gain from his story? Well, the first thing we have to note, and if you'd like to take notes, you can. Uh, on the app, there is an area for notes. If you go to uh, messages and then sermon notes, you'll see today's date. And actually, we're going to encourage you towards the end of the service. There's something in there you can interact with if you'd like to, but there's another way to do that as well. So we'll give you more information on that in just a few moments. But the first thing we learn from this amazing story is that the light of Christ shines when we are like Christ to those around us. The light of Christ shines when we are like Christ to those around us. As believers, when we choose to be Christ-like to those around us, the light of Christ will shine through us. We have no idea what others in our lives are going through. There are so many that are dealing with pain and hurt from experiences they've gone through by the choice of others or their own choices. When God brings someone into our lives, we must pray for wisdom to treat them in a Christ-like way, extending grace to them in our words and in our actions. Because you don't know what they're going through. This requires a couple things on our part. First, we have to be aware of others that God brings into our life. We have to pay attention to those that God is bringing into our lives. This also means we put ourselves and our issues and our schedules in the back seat. We stop prioritizing our wants and desires and we start realizing, God, if you bring someone into my life, help me to be aware of them so that I can be Christ-like to them and your light would go forth. The Apostle Paul says this in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Now that's an amazing passage, Philippians 2, because it unpacks what Christ went through to prepare himself to go to the cross. And the Bible says that Christ, who was equal with God and is equal with God, made of himself no reputation, but took on himself the form of a servant. A slave. 
He enslaved himself to the will of God to say, I will do whatever the Father wills because I love creation, the creation, and I love these individuals so much I'm willing to die for them. So I could receive glory and praise on planet Earth right now. I could have everyone bow down and worship me because I'm worthy of it. But instead of that, I'm going to submit myself to the Father's will, take on this flesh, take on this form of a man so that I can go to the cross and die for the sins of the world. And Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So what is Paul saying? How is it that we can put our wants, our desires, our issues, which we all have. I'm not minimizing those things, but we put those things in the backseat. Now we can be aware of what others are going through and shine a light of Christ into their situation. Once we are aware, we must decide to respond in the spirit and not in the flesh. We may see someone that is struggling and begin to make assumptions about why they're in the situation that they find themselves. Now, your assumptions and your estimations on why they're going through it may be true. Maybe they're there in that situation because they made a choice. They made decisions that led to this situation they find themselves in. However, that does not mean they need any less grace. Yes, we speak the truth in love. We don't coddle. We don't encourage people to continue to make bad choices that create bad consequences. We speak truth, but we speak truth in love. We don't come in arrogance and condemnation. We speak truth in love. Setting out to be a kind of compassion that Christ demonstrated. When he looked out on the masses, he said, they're like sheep that are scattered and have no shepherd. Did he speak truth to the masses, to the multitudes? He said a lot of harsh things to the crowds, but it was all driven with the compassion that they would come to know him. I am sure that when Sejun at 13 years old walked into that first grade classroom, I'm sure his teacher made a lot of assumptions, a lot of ideas of what's going on here. Why why is this child in my classroom? I'm sure that it was difficult for him as a teacher to deal with that. How do I now deal with working with this 13-year-old and help him where he's at. I've got my classroom. I've got my own family. I've got my own schedules. But do you notice that what he did, he could have responded in any number of ways. And yet, how did the teacher respond? With grace and compassion. You see, when God brings someone into our life, we have to ask the question of the Lord, how would you have me to respond in this situation? How can I shine the light of Christ The light of Christ shines when we are like Christ to those around us. However, the light of Christ also shines when we guide others to God's word. If you're you're going to take anything away from this story this morning, I pray that you take away the vital role that God's word played in this story. It's great to be loving and compassionate and caring and meet needs where we can. But if we just leave it at met needs, physical needs, we've not really addressed the real issue that people are struggling with, which is a disconnect from Christ, a disconnect in the relationship with God. It's great to serve people's needs. It's great to feed the poor. It's great to do these things. But we don't stop there. We desire to connect them with the word of God, that the spirit of God might meet their real deepest need. And that is to know the creator. You see, the light of Christ shines when we guide others to God's word. How will the world know of God's love for them displayed through the gospel apart from the word of God? The answer is they won't. 
It is in God's word, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God revealed to us the truth, that God demonstrated his love to us and for us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. As followers of Christ, we must seek the Lord and ask him to create in us a dependence upon God's word, not only for ourselves, that we would hunger for God's word. I find that you'll be less likely to direct somebody to God's word if you're not in God's word. You'll direct them to all kinds of things. Well, here's this great self-help book. Here's this great speaker. Here's this person on YouTube and this podcast. And those things might be fine. Although I question some of it. There's a lot of stuff out there. And sometimes the more access to information we have, the worse it becomes. It's almost like we get inundated with all different opinions. And everybody has an opinion. And anybody can put out a video with no credentials, no background, no knowledge. And now they're an expert in whatever they're talking about. If we're not careful, even as Christians, we'll guide them to all these other helps and we'll neglect the one thing that actually will create in them eternal life change. You see, true power of change, true ability to, be, to make different decisions, to have different outcomes, comes from the word of God. And time with God's word as the spirit works in us. You see, as followers of Christ, we must seek the Lord and ask him to create in us a dependence upon God's word. And we must develop an intrinsic habit of directing others to its power for life change. It's not just, Lord, help me be dependent upon your word. It's, Lord, when I'm in a situation and there's something going on and this person's asking my opinion or asking for help, help me to just habitually, instinctively say, let's go to God's word about that. Here, here's what the Bible says about that. Not in an arrogant, preachy, condemning way. But in a way of saying, listen, I don't have the answers, but I can tell you that God does. I can tell you that the Bible says this or the Bible says that. And, and so many Christians nowadays, we're so afraid to say that. Well, pastor, what if they don't believe the Bible? That's fine. You give them the Bible. Well, they don't, they don't believe the Bible. That's fine. You give them scripture. Why? Because Romans ten seventeen has never ceased to be true. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So many Christians share Christ with a coworker, and the minute the coworker says, listen, I want you to tell me about Jesus, but don't use the Bible because I don't believe the Bible. So tell me from some other source that Jesus is the son of God. And, and we can talk about history. We can talk about archaeology. We can talk about cosmology. We can talk about all these different things. But why would we set aside the greatest resource of revelation because they don't believe it? Why would we cater our message to the one that's the unbeliever because they don't believe it and go, okay, I'll just put that away then. No, we're assuming their presupposition is right that the word of God isn't valid. No, we say, listen, I know you don't, you say you don't believe it, but this is the power of life change. This is the word of God. This is where truth is found. And I only know how to give the word of God. I only can depend upon the word of God. And you say you don't believe it. That's fine. But I'm telling you, your lack of belief does not change that it's truth. You can tell me you don't believe in gravity. I don't believe in gravity. I think it's false. It's false media. It's false news. It's fake. No such thing as gravity. Okay, but gravity doesn't cease to exist because you refuse to accept that it's truth. And why do we do this as Christians? We neglect the word of God as though somehow we're going, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I need to come up with a better way to share Christ. If the son of God who is the manifestation of the word of God, deemed it valuable enough to quote the word of God when he was tempted, 
when he challenged anyone that would challenge his authority, he went to the word of God. If Jesus quoted the word of God, I think we should go to the word of God. Because that's where power for change lies. That's how the light of Christ will shine. Not just through you, but when you allow other people to see that and they begin to get in God's word, that's when the spirit of God will work. Yes, of course, we can shine the light of Christ through our actions. But the power that brings about the reality of sin, the freeing power of grace, and the eternal life with Christ is found only in the word of God. That's really what changed Sejun. It was, yes, the kindness of his teacher, and yes, the way he interacted with him. But did you catch that the word of God was at the foundation of all of that? It was the knowledge that, wait a minute, so there's this one who loves me in a way I've never experienced. And it was a knowledge of who Christ is and the love of Christ for him that brought about life change. It was the acts of love which impressed upon him a difference, but it was the word of God that revealed why his teacher was different. See, it was the acts of love that impressed upon him that this man was different, but it was the word of God that revealed to him why this teacher was different. And that's where we have to be directing people to, not just through our actions and treating them as Christ would, but directing them and guiding them to the word of God. The need to be guided to the word does not change when we receive Christ. In fact, when we come to Christ, our need for the word grows because now we are living in a fallen world as citizens of a kingdom that is not of this world. Passions and desires that we pursue are contrary to the things of the world. And we need the word of God more than ever to fight against the pull of this world and to reaffirm the passions we should be pursuing, that we would set our minds on things above, not on things below. You see, the light of Christ shines when we choose to be Christ-like to others. The light of Christ shines when we direct and guide others to God's word. And the light of Christ shines when we support gospel work around the world. The light of Christ shines when we support gospel work around the world. So how in the world do we do that? Like how do we right here in Goodland Township, in MLA City, or in North Branch, how do we support gospel work all over the world? How can we do that? Well, there's a couple things I want to give you. And there's simple things easy things that we can start doing right now today. Well, the first thing we do is we pray. Oh, I know that preacher. I knew you were going to say prayer. I knew you were going to talk about the Bible today. I love that. I, I, some of you saw on Facebook, I posted yesterday that uh, we had our men's prayer breakfast yesterday. And one of the moms of the little, one of the little ones um, asked him what he learned and what I talked about at prayer breakfast yesterday. And his answer basically was that, well, he talked about Jesus. And then she said, oh, okay, that's great. So what else did he say? And then what else did you do? And, she, and the little boy says, well, then we prayed to God. And I was like, that's, that's what we did. We talked about Jesus and we prayed to God. Summary, perfect, great, good. But as we think about this, I know these are things that we hear a lot in church, but if we don't apply them, then we need to keep hearing them. And once we start applying them, we need to keep hearing them because we are creatures that struggle with these things. So we support the gospel work all over the world through prayer. What are we praying for? Well, specifically, we pray for open eyes to daily opportunities. 
We pray that we, right here in Goodland Township, in your workplace, in your school, in your area of influence, that you're praying, Lord, open my eyes to daily opportunities to share your gospel, to share the truth of the faith of Christ, to share that we can repent of our sins and trust Christ and find faith that will lead to eternal life, that we can trust in the grace of God to cover our sins, to forgive us of our sins, and to grant unto us eternal life, that I don't have to do this thing on my own, I have to work my way to salvation. I'm praying for daily opportunities to see those opportunities around me. But secondly, we can pray for our missionaries, specifically our missionaries that we support. There's a, a wall out here. It says global missions. And those are missionaries that we support as a church, that you support. Your financial giving supports what they're doing. And I, it's been so cool. Uh, ben and Jody Baum, many of you know them. They were here recently. Uh, ben is in Sudan right now installing solar panels as part of a ministry project. Do you know why Ben is able to go and do this ministry in Sudan so that Christians and ministries and opportunities can be blessed by God's presence and the gospel can go forth? Because you're supporting Ben and Jody so Ben can go and do that work. Like you have a hand in what God is doing in Sudan right now, today. He's there today. And you get to be a part of that. Not just through financial support, but by praying for them. We have at the Welcome Center some prayer guides. We give them out on Wednesday nights every other week. And there's missionaries are listed right there. You can pray specifically for our missionaries. Pray that God would give them strength and wisdom. God would give them support that they need. Most missionaries are not living on the quality of life that many of us would think is needed. Most missionaries, they will tell you that they try to get to 80% of what they need to live before they go to the field. Most of them are at 80% or less. I mean, just let me ask you this question. If you had to keep even a basic standard of living in your mind, paying your bills, food, all that stuff. And by the way, most places in the world, it's more expensive, not less. Some places it's less, but in some places, if it's first world country, it's more expensive. How many churches would you need to support you and your family if each church only gave you $100 a month? How many churches would you need to go visit? How many places would you need to travel? How many presentations would you have to give? Just to get to a basic standard of living. By the way, again, they're mostly at 70 to 80%. So what can we be praying for our missionaries? Let's pray for strength and endurance and patience and the support that they need. Pray for the missionaries' children. We have missionaries who are missionaries in Italy, and they have children that are very much assimilated into the Italian culture, into the schools. They put them right in the schools. The parents will tell me all the time that their kids speak better Italian than they do, which kind of scared them when the kids were in the room talking in Italian, and the mom and dad were like, do you know what they're saying? And they were like, no, I don't know what they're saying. And they were like, should we be concerned that they're saying something they shouldn't be saying? And they were like, I don't know. I can't understand what they're saying. We can pray for our missionaries. We can do that right now. And many of you do. And praise God that you do. But don't grow weary in well-doing. Galatians 4, 9. Let's keep going. Let's keep praying. But also, we can actually pray for other nations. We can pray for believers in other nations. And so up front here, and we talked about this at the beginning of the year, we have a handful of these left. If you want one, you can just order one for yourself. I'm sure they can still get you one. Uh, this is the 2023 Global Prayer Guide from Voice of the Martyrs. And so it's been out here in the lobby. We ordered these uh, towards the end of last year. 
Uh, therefore, this year, obviously, and there's a handful up front here in the front row. If you did not get one or would like one, you can grab one. One per family is what we'd encourage. But in here, each nation is listed that you can pray for, different nations. And you can see it talks about what kind of country is it? Is it restricted? Is it hostile? Is it open? You can find that out. What's the major religions in that nation? What are the believers able to do in that? What, what's the Bible resource look like? And each one of these nations, you can begin to pray. And each one has a prayer. You can begin praying for each one of these nations. And so how can we possibly be involved in the light of Christ going into the world? How can the gospel possibly go into every home in the world? And how can we be involved in that? Through prayer. Daily opportunities right now. Don't just pray for missionaries over there. Pray to be a missionary today. God, help me to be a missionary to my coworkers, my family members, my friends. We got Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up. Man, what a great opportunity to share the gospel. Well, you don't know my family. They're not going to want to hear that. That's fine. You pray for an opportunity. Lord, open the door of conversation that I can share Christ with my uncle or my cousin or whoever. Because here's the thing. Are you willing to risk a little awkwardness, a little tension, a little maybe embarrassment because they're going to, quote, make fun of you so that your family member comes to Christ? I mean, really, what's more important? So we pray for opportunities. We pray for our missionaries. We pray for the nations. And you can do that starting today. Another way that you can give and support what God is doing is through giving through prayer, and through giving. So we give to the local church. Your tithes and offerings that you collect every week, that we faithfully give to the work of the Lord here, it doesn't just stay here. It's part of what you see here, ministries and curriculum and utilities and all the things like that. But it goes out from here into missions and to other opportunities to see Christ's work. And so again, you're supporting our missionaries in the global gospel through prayer and financial support. But also you can give, if you want to support the persecuted church specifically, you can actually give right through the Voice of the Martyrs website. And we want to make you aware of an opportunity that, again, this is what I was sharing. It's in your notes. But you can take part in an opportunity today. And I think there's a, a, I think we saw on the screen. Yeah, right there. That you can take part in helping the persecuted church today. And so in your notes, there's a link there. And it'll also be on our uh, website and app and so on. But currently, there is a great need for Christians and support for Christians, rather, in Nigeria who are no strangers to persecution. Violent attacks by Islamic militants have affected families and churches, leaving many Christians without spouses, parents, and homes. But faithful believers continue to follow and serve Christ in Nigeria As our Nigerian brothers and sisters in Christ endure such persecution, for Christ's sake, you can stand with them through prayer and by giving. Your gift will help support Nigerian Christians in just some of the following ways. It will help support in response to violent attacks, providing much-needed medical and other material assistance. It will help support replacement of Bibles destroyed by Muslim extremists. It will help support provision of ministry tools for frontline gospel workers reaching Muslims for Christ. That's right. The same people that are persecuting them, their heart is, can we just reach them for Jesus? Let's be Christ-like to them. And again, let that sink in for a moment. We go, oh, that's great. That's such a, wow, that's so cool. We can start doing that today in our nation. Yeah, but I don't like my neighbor. I don't like this person. They have a different political view than me. They think different than me. So 
What? You can share Christ with them. Well, yeah, but they don't like me. That's fine. They didn't like Jesus. They're not going to like you. Give them Jesus anyway. And so these Nigerian Christians are literally sharing Christ with those that are burning their villages, destroying their homes, killing their family members. They're still adamantly wanting them to come to Christ. So again, there's a link on our app that, you can t- that will take you right to the Voice of the Martyrs website. On the bottom of your notes, you see a link there. It says persecution.com slash Nigeria. If you click that link, it will actually take you right to their website and you'll see a description of what I just talked about as well as an opportunity to give. And now you don't have to give to that specific need. That's not the point of that. I just want to give you a practical example of how we can be involved through praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ as well as supporting and providing the needs that they have. This morning, we recognize that our brothers and sisters all over the world are being greatly persecuted for their faith. We pray for them and for the endurance to continue to stand for Christ. We also desire to learn from them in our own lives when persecution comes, that the light of Christ will shine in and through us as it did for, say, June. And so what can we learn from this story this morning? I pray that we've learned a few things, that the light of Christ will shine when we are Christ-like to others, when we're guiding people to God's word, and when we get involved in gospel or in the global gospel. And so however God is working in your heart right now, I pray that you'll respond. But here's what I want to do. We're going to have a time of invitation like normal. But here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm going to ask you to come. Maybe you can't come physically to the front. Maybe you're not comfortable doing so. That's fine. They're in your seats. But if you are interested in coming, I would love, I'm going to pray in just a moment. And I'd love for you to come to the front and bend a knee and say, Lord, would you work in these homes, in these churches of our brothers and sisters that are going through great persecution. Hebrews tells us that we remember those who are in bonds for Christ as though we are in bonds with them. What if this was your, your mom or your dad? What if Sejun was your brother, your nephew? What if he was your family member? How would you pray if it was your family that was going through this? And the reason I use that analogy is because our family is going through this. The Bible says that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, we say it, we speak a different language, we live in different cultures, we look different on the outside, but we're all one in Christ. Unique and wonderfully made of God's hand. And so, Christian, how would you pray if that was your family? Because it is your family, so let's commit to praying for them. And however the Lord's leading with giving and supporting what God is doing, that's between you and the Lord. But I encourage you to take advantage of those opportunities as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace. And Lord, as we continue in prayer this morning, making special recognition of those that are suffering all over the world, we've prayed a few different times now for them. But right now, Lord, we want to commit this time to praying specifically for the persecuted church. And Lord, I know that we can feel as though we're going to, or we are going through persecution here, that there's different levels of and degrees of persecution. And of course, we agree with that. That there's opposition to Christ in this nation. There's opposition in our government to Christ. There's opposition in our communities. There are people that want nothing to do with Jesus and are vocal about trying to keep him out of 
areas of our culture. And so, Lord, we can connect in some very small degree about what that looks like. But, Lord, I pray that we would learn from our brothers and sisters that are going through much worse that you can give us the strength to not just endure these seasons of persecution, but to let your light shine through us in them and that others would come to Christ. And, Father, would you just work now as we desire to pray and lift up as though we were in bonds for our brothers and sisters. And Lord, we'll give you all the praise and all the glory, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Some are already at the altar. Would you come and pray? Come and pray for your family that is going through some things right now in the world, the persecuted church. Let's lift them up to the Lord and ask God to give them strength, endurance, and His light would shine as we pray.